Welcome to this episode of HBCU. I'm your host, D. Brown, CEO. Joining me today is John Smith, Jr., the Chief Higher Education Officer for the P3 Group. John graduated from Alcorn State University. John, welcome to HBCU. Thank you. Such a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man, happy to have you on the show. So, John, you graduated from Alcorn State University. So take me back in time. How did you select Alcorn State as your HBCU? Well, it all started back around 1983, 84-ish. Uh, I had a brother that was playing football at Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State was playing Tulane on a Saturday at Veteran Memorial Stadium in Jackson. And my dad took us all to the game. And he said, well, tomorrow, uh, the school I went to plays Alcorn. So we hung around that next day. And that next day, uh, Mississippi, at Mississippi Valley State played Alcorn State and Veterans Memorial Stadium. And to this day, that's the largest attended HBCU game in the nation. It was 64,000 wow. some odd people there. Yeah. Uh, the day previous to that, the Mississippi State Tulane game may have had about 16, 17,000 people. Wow. You know, and yeah. the following day, so we go to this game, so there's a guy by the name of Jerry Rice uh, playing wide receiver. You had Willie Satellite Totten playing, playing quarterback. Alcorn had a guy by the name of Perry Qualls at running back, uh, a Hall of Fame defensive back, uh, Isaac Holt. Uh, uh, Tony Wolfhawk, a bunch of guys, yeah. you know, a bunch of household HBCU names right. that, you know, and from that day on, I, I was really intrigued, you know, by HBCU sports, uh, wanted, to, wanted to be a part of the SWAC. Uh, fast forward, uh, 1994, it's my recruitment year, um, being a highly recruited athlete, myself, Michael Vaughn, Marcus Taylor, Destry Wright, uh, we are highly recruited athletes, and I went to a couple visits, so I went to some PWIs, went to some HBCUs. Uh, I actually was going to go to Ole Miss. Oh, really? Yeah. The only reason I wanted to go to Ole Miss is because Mississippi State, where my brother went to school, they didn't recruit me as highly as I thought they should have. Uh -huh. And so I went to an Ole Miss football game, 15,000, 16,000 people there. The next weekend, uh, Alcorn State played Southern. Okay. It's Steve McNair's uh, senior year. Um, he's about to break Ty Detmer's uh, passing record of, I think, about 16,000 and some odd yards. Yeah. yards. Um, I make it into the stadium. Well, it took us about two hours to get on campus. Right, right. right. And there were about 65,000 people on the campus in the stadium that held about 35,000 people. And the both bands were blowing and the people were it, the people were everywhere. You could smell barbecue from miles around. Yeah. Um, you had uh, uh, just the whole camaraderie. You had all of the Southern, the SU fans talking trash to the Alcorn fans. And the game came all the way down to the wire. And that, that was the game that Steve McNair kind of solidified himself in the Heisman race. Yeah. He struck the Heisman pose, you know, and from that moment on, I had chills going down my spine when I would hear the band play. Right. And I knew at that moment where I was going to school at. Wow. So do you remember um, the first day you set foot on Alcorn campus? The very first day, um, 
I set foot on Alcorn State campus. Uh, my parents, they they were you know pretty strict on me growing up. Yeah. And it was one particular guy, his his grandmother worked with my father and uh, his name was Mike Mike. That's what we call him. Michael, Michael Davis. Yeah, yeah, Michael yeah Davis. I know Mike Mike. Yeah, right. <laughs> and so that was the first, that was my first, the first day I, I set foot on campus, my parents dropped me off. They dropped me off with Mike Mike. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Mike tells me, hey, you in the swag now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so we immediately get in his car and go to Jackson. We left campus. And my first day of college, I left, the, I left all, college, left all we, we went to Jackson. Right. We hung out in Jackson. You know? Yeah. And we the really same thing out. I did my first day at Alcorn. <laughs> yeah. We, and, and, you know, I, I, I had the time of my life. I was welcome to college really well. You know, I think um, I, I think I remember I memorized everything on the side of a Budweiser can because I drank so many of them. That day. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how I started my college life. Wow. But now you played football at Alcorn as yes. well. So what was that experience like? Well, football in the SWAC at that particular time was awesome. Uh, my very first college football game was against Grambling State. Uh, we were playing against the great Eddie Robinson. And I was, you know, coming from Clarksdale High School, highly recruited athlete. I was used to playing. Yeah. I was used to starting. So I said, I have to figure out a way to get on the field. Yeah. Because at Alcorn State, we were a pass-happy team. And I was playing running back. I said, well... What I'm going to do is I'm going to get on all of the special teams. And so every time the kickoff team went out, I made sure I ran over and I stood by Eddie Robinson and I kind of looked at him and I yeah. would, you know, make sure he saw me and I would see him, yeah. you know, acknowledge him. And at the end of the game, when I looked at the stat sheet, it had, you know, the number one linebacker on the team had about nine tackles. Uh, had another guy may have had seven tackles and it had my name, John Smith, running back. With six tackles. Right. Yeah. So, you know, the next game, you know, I did the same thing, you know, yeah. on special teams. And by the third game of the season, I was a star middle linebacker, you know, playing against Howard on national TV, you know. Yeah, on right. BT. Right. So <laughs> it was, you know, it was an amazing experience. You know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. You know, it was just, you know, it was yeah. it was a great experience. It, I met guys and I met people that actually helped shape me and mold me into the person I am today. You know, I, I carry a nickname. Everyone calls me Janky John. Right, uh, right. And I got that nickname my freshman year in college. How did you earn that nickname? Well, uh, a guy by the name of Eliante Bell played defensive back. He was from Mount Bio. Um, and he used to always tell me, if you're going to burn the candle, you got to learn how to burn it at both ends. Yeah. You know, so that means if we were out partying and we were kicking it, you know, at seven, eight o'clock in the morning, you need to be up ready for class. Right. So I had a particular set of guys I would do everything I wasn't supposed to do with. And then I had another particular set of guys that I did everything that right that I was supposed to do those <laughs> things. Yeah. And uh, one, one particular day, everybody was getting in trouble and I had to get in trouble and they were bringing out grades. And one of the guys said, you got a 3.75 GPA. He said, man, that's janky. He said, you had us up all night, you know, doing all the stuff we wasn't supposed to do. And you go to class every morning. Right. Yeah, you jank. And, you know. And it stuck with it you. It stuck with you, you know. Right. So at Alcorn, um, what is kind of the big signature events that happened on, on the uh, academic resort? Well, at the academic resort, you know, we would have a lot of block parties. Uh, one of the main things that people did there was barbecue. Yeah. You know, somebody hit a deer on the side of the highway, somebody going to clean him up and we're going to have a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, homecoming was one of the one of the big events. Homecoming, right. anytime we played Southern or anytime we went and, you know, played the school in the capital city. Uh, and then we had Spring Fest. And that was when they would bring in the Student Government Association would pool the students. They would bring in all of the different 
uh, artists or you know the up and, up and coming uh, artists or even some of the you know, the more famous A list artists, and that would be that one spring concert for the students. It would be yeah. free. You know, you'd be able to invite all your friends down. You know, so that's where you would kind of really get to let your hair down. Right. So uh, tell me about the sounds of dynamite. Well, the sounds of dynamite. That's the greatest band in the land. You know, <laughs> uh, we would be stretching for for football games. And the energy when you're stretching uh, and you hear the band and the, 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 the sounds of dynamite come marching down the hill. The first thing you're going to do when you're stretching on the football field, you're going to look to the right. You're going to see the Golden Girls doing their thing. Right. You know, it would be Dr. Griffin would, would be instructing the band. And you could hear them, you know, for miles away. You know, they would be singing. That would just fire you up again. I get chills, you know, talking about it right now, talking about the band. Right. You know, you would, there would be particular songs that you know if, a, if, it, if it was a great moment in the game, the band is going to play this. Right, you right. Know, if we're up winning and, and we're really trying to rub it in, they had a song called Funky Stuff that they would play. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool, it's a rendition of a Cool in the Gang song mm -hmm. called Can't Get Enough of That Funky Stuff. Right, right. And the band would play it like you literally, I didn't care what play was going on during the game. If the band started playing funky stuff, I'm looking at the Golden Girls. I'm looking, <laughs> I'm looking in the stands to see what's going on. While you're on the field. While I'm on the field, mid-game. <laughs> you know, uh, there's, a, there's a story one time, uh, coach at halftime, uh, coach was, you know, instructing the team, trying to get everybody ready for, the, you know, make the halftime mm -hmm. adjustments. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the players got up and walked out of the dressing room and everybody started following him. Everybody wanted to know where he was going. He said, hey, let's go look at the band. <laughs> you know, that's, you know right. that's how exciting the band was. Wow. So on most HBCU campuses, uh, homecoming is a big deal. Probably all HBCU uh, campuses. I, I, I even know of HBCUs that don't have athletics. That, you know, they still, still have homecomings. Still have homecomings. Uh, what was homecoming like at Alcorn? Well, homecoming normally started that Sunday before that Saturday. Mm -hmm. And each day would be a different day. Right. You know? Each day would, would, would highlight something different, you know. And this was before Chicken Wednesday started at the HBCUs. Yeah. You know, uh, on Wednesday, on most HB, HBCU campuses, Wednesday, 12 o'clock, that's the fashion show. You're going to put on your best gear. You're going to put yeah. on your best stuff, whether you went to class that day or not. <laughs> on Wednesday yeah. at 12 o'clock, you're going to show up at the cafeteria, you know, yeah. in, in your best dress, and you're going to, you know, they may have music on the green, you know, mm -hmm. different things, right. different things going on. Then on that, probably that Thursday night, you know, one of the fraternities are going to have a, have a big party. It's going to be, you know, and and most of this stuff, you know, because I played football, yeah, we weren't supposed to be at, <laughs> right? You know, and curfew was at eleven o'clock. Yeah, but on homecoming week, that's where my bed would have the pillows in. Did they do uh, room checks? Yeah, they, they, they did room checks, but, you know, we knew how to, you know, make sure we were there for 11. <laughs> <laughs> for the check. Yeah, for check. Wow. So uh, from an um, uh, impact perspective, what teachers or coaches, who kind of impacted your life uh, from well, Alcorn? When I, when I go all the way back, when I think about, you know, me, me attending Alcorn State University, uh, in my hometown, there was a there was a little lady, a little sweet lady named Miss mm -hmm. Laura Hearn. Yes, you know, and uh, when she found out I was interest, interested in Alcorn, she came by the house 
and uh, she gave me a gas card. <laughs> and she told and she told me, John, whenever you feel the need to come home and you want to visit, I want you to make sure that you can go, can come. And I was saying to myself, I don't even have a car. <laughs> you got a gas car. But I have a gas car. <laughs> so I think Miss Hearn's gas car took me all over the swag. <laughs> because anytime somebody said they wanted to go somewhere, I got the gas. I got the gas. <laughs> right. You know, but Miss Hearn, she really uh, instilled that whole, it's, it's going to be a family environment. You're going to love it. Yeah. And my dad always used to tell me, it's a time and place for everything. Right. It's called college. Yeah. He said, get there. He said, you want to chase the girls? That's where you're going to have your centralized pool, pool of girls to chase. He said, but also, you know, you, you're going to need to get your books. And so Miss Laura Hearn was one of them. I had a few teachers that attended Alcorn, a uh, lady by the name of uh, Miss Pieta Stewart. She was mm -hmm. a, a huge alumni and supporter right. uh, uh, in Clarksdale. And when I got there, I was in the business department. So I had Dr. Leon Crawford. I had Dr. Ella Anderson. Uh, they were teachers that stayed on top of you. Right. You know, uh, I had this one particular uh, professor. His name was Dr. Johnston Osaga. He taught me international business. And he would always tell us to smile, always tell us, you know, no matter how hard this problem is, you know, make sure you laugh. Laughing cures your, uh, kills your cancer. And I'm like, is he sick? Yeah. Well, he, that was just one of his little running right. jokes. Right. But he always made sure that you grasp the concept. Right. You know, it, it, in, the, in the HBCU world, um, you're going to have smaller classes. You know, you're going to be on a first name basis, you know, and every now and then, you know, when, when they understand you, you know, you know, they they wouldn't hesitate to come knock on your door. Right. And say, hey, you're supposed to be in my class. Right. You know, right. why aren't you in class? You know, or when they find out where you're from, they're going to know. 17 other people that they taught that were that was from there or the people that went to college with them that were from there so right. and once they call and find out okay yeah oh your father's an instructor you know so i know what i'm going to do for you i'm going to call your daddy on you <laughs> and so a lot of times you had a lot of teachers that took the time out to make sure that you didn't only just get the education but that right. you understood and grasped the whole concept you know uh dr uh, Crawford, uh, he was my, my, I first did my little dibbling and dabbling in real estate because he taught me real estate and investment. Mm -hmm. But he would actually take me to Natchez with him and show me his rental properties and show me the different things that he had going on. And it, and it was very intriguing and it, and it kept me engaged in his classroom. Right, right. So talk to me about Greek life uh, at Alcorn uh, State University. You know, obviously you're a, a proud member of Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated. Yes. Um, I'm and a, also you're a member of the Gamma Pi Alumni Association, so uh, just kind of talk about the fraternity and, and what it mean to you and, and what it was like on the yard. Well, on the yard, um, I, I'm a spring 1997 initiative, the greatest fraternity in the world, that's Cap Alpha Psi, uh, Gamma Pi chapter. Uh, it was such a great experience because I actually, that's where I cut my teeth and learned business. Yeah. You know, not only from just from a, the whole fraternity uh, perspective, the whole brotherhood perspective, because, hey, I grew up with I'm the I'm the, the baby of seven. So I grew up with three older brothers. Yeah, I grew up with a father in the house. So I had all of those particular things. I had brotherhood. Yeah. You know, I've always been a member of a football team. Right. So I've always had a huge number of brothers. But in spring of 1997, I, I understood and learned, you know, what a process was and what it was to have, 
you know, guys from all different walks of life, you know, right. come together, learn about each other, you know, uh, learn each other's mother's name, learn each other's father's name, you know, actually knowing somebody else's birthday other than your, your right. siblings or right. knowing a, a little bit about, you know, a person or knowing a person's strengths or their weaknesses and knowing that, okay, I may have to step in at, in, at, this, at this particular point to help this person and that person knows at what particular point to step in and help me. So right. it was a, a great experience. Uh, we threw a lot of parties. And that's kind of yeah. how I, I got into the whole entrepreneurship uh, uh, thing. Um, because some Thursdays, you know, the noobs would want to throw a party, some Thursday they didn't. Well, when they didn't, I would get with a couple of the other noobs and say, hey, let's, let's keep this thing going. And before we knew it, you know, we had, you know, enough money to go to Kappa Luau, yeah. enough money to go to Kappa Beach Party, enough money to hang out at Southern for their uh, Spring Fest. So, right. we, you know, and, and that was what, you know, Kappa took me all over the sweat. Yeah. You know, because whenever it was some Kappas coming out at Jackson State, I was going to be there. Yeah. Whenever the Kappas were going over at Southern, I was going to be there. Texas Southern, I was there. Yeah. You know, UAPB, I was there. Grambling, I, you know, You're I right. was there. I right. had perfect attendance, you know, <laughs> at, at, all, at all of the Kappa functions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, so talk to me about the importance of giving back to uh, your HBCU. Uh, you know, obviously, uh, it's very well documented that HBCUs lack uh, significant resources to compete with some of the PWIs. And I think a big part of uh, closing that gap is a really a commitment from uh, alumni in the private sector in injecting resources into HBCU. So, so talk to me about that a little yeah, bit. So that's that's one. Of, I'm, I'm glad you I'm glad you asked about that. That's one of the things that HBCU alums have to do. You have to make sure that you understand that you made a lifetime commitment. You know, just like we made lifetime commitments to our fraternity. Right. We made lifetime commitments to our institutions. Uh, I'm a member of the Gamma Pi Alumni Association, and to date, we've given over $125,000 back to Alcorn State through the form of our endowment. Right. Uh, that has spawned other uh, Greek uh, letter organizations uh, that have chapters on the campus into doing those same things. And one of the main catalysts that helps push HBCUs is the ability to not have to go out and beg the state or beg the other other businesses that don't look like the people that they have educated. Mm -hmm. You know, so HBCUs have turned out so many great individuals. You know, a lot of those great individuals just need to just reciprocate. Right. You know, and not from this from the fact of just giving your money. You know, sometimes you can give time. You yeah. can give some wisdom that actually puts pushes a child to want to actually go and learn or, or be around that whole HBCU culture. Right, right, and I couldn't agree with you more. Now we know uh, over the last couple of years, uh, Coach uh, Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, has had a significant impact on HBCU sports, uh, not just at Jackson State, but across the country. Uh, talk to me a little bit about um, the, the impact that Coach Prime has had. Well, the Prime effect has taken uh, the whole United States by storm. Uh, he has helped push HBCUism, mm -hmm. as I call it, uh, because it turned into a buzzword. You know, it, 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 it turned into a popular thing within the last, 
you know, four or five years. Uh, HBCUs have always filled the gap, you know, for people of color. Right. Uh, we have always, you know, been here. You know, the last four years, uh, two and a half, three years, the Deion Sanders era, shine that flashy light on it. Mm -hmm. You know, we've been getting dressed on Wednesdays for the cafeteria. Right. You know, we've been going to the football games wearing our best. Right. Uh, at a HBCU football game, you're not going to see a lot of people with their shirt off, with the with the school spirit painted on them because they're going to have on that Gucci scarf. Right. You know, <laughs> they're going to they're going to they're going to have on those ballet shoes that they're letting you know that I can afford it because of my HBCU education. Yeah. But the prime effect has shined a light on it, and I think it's a positive light. It's the light that HBCUs need. You know, it's just that extra. Sometimes when you have a person that may say some things, everyone don't, everyone doesn't hear them when just a regular person right. says them. Right. You know, but when Deion Sanders opens his mouth, right. a lot of people hear it, a lot of people repeat it. Right. You know, I cheer for Jackson State any game except Alcorn State, right. you know, and that's in anything. That's in basketball, football, throwing rocks. If we're, you know, <laughs> right. if, if we're in a race, in a foot race, you yeah. know, at the at the end of the day, what Deion Sanders has done has opened the eyes, you know, yeah, for many to 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 actually want to take a look into what's what's going on at an HBCU. Right. I want to ask you about uh, the work that you're doing at the P3 Group, uh, being the Chief Higher Education Officer. Uh, for the company and how uh, you're using that role to try to impact HBCUs? Well, what I mainly try to do is go into the HBCU realm and teach them how to do business. Yeah. You know, not that they, they don't understand how to do business, but teach them what a bond market transaction is. Teach them how uh, P3 can come in and do a design bill finance project at no upfront monies to the institution where the institution doesn't have to again doesn't have to go big from alumni you don't have to make this huge right. th this huge plea for assistance from the government or or the state you know we c we actually can go in and help transform that university piece by piece you right. know or one big slice at a time or or however they would like to carve it out right you know and and, and again because the p3 group has a 1.5 billion dollar bonding capacity right so right. I, you know, I am going to campuses, go, t talking to presidents, letting them know we have the capacity to change the, the trajectory of your university. Right. I think another important thing we do also is helping to manage um, expectations. Uh, you know, a lot of times projects don't get done because, you know, you're trying to bite off more than you can chew. Exactly. And being able to be in a position where you are not a salesperson, right. but a consultant, an educator, explaining how you can take this project and bifurcate it into multiple projects and, and, and get you a small win here and then let that win uh, cascade you to the to the next win and then you actually what you think you're doing that's going to make the project take longer to execute is actually a quicker uh, right. process because you spend years trying to put together uh, transactions that, that would never uh, pass the, the credit test. And so I think that's another important role uh, that we do at the P3 group. Right. Just, just managing those expectations and letting them know exactly what's feasible right. and what's not feasible. 
you know, when when you have a particular, you may have a university that that, that wants a hundred and fifty thousand uh, seat uh, stadium or a hundred thousand uh, seat stadium, and, you know? it, and it's just simply not realistic. It's, it's simply not realistic. I want to I want to pause here, John, because we're running out of time, and I want to take a moment to just do this. Uh, I wanted to uh, award you with this HBCU okay. Lifetime Achievement Award for your continued commitment to historically black colleges and universities okay. and the important work you do every day at the P3 Group to further the advancement of these very, very important institutions. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you for being on the show. And to my viewers, thank you for watching this episode of HBCU. And remember, without you, there's no me.